Hello, hello. Welcome to a lifelong podcast, a show all about non-toxic living and longevity. I'm your host, Heidi O'Brien, and I appreciate you being here today. Today, oh my gosh, what do I have in store for you all? So I figured today would be a good time to talk about respiratory health and ways to kind of prevent and combat respiratory illness. I think probably everybody listening has or knows someone that has caught a respiratory infection this season. It seems as though that respiratory infections are going rampant this I also feel like they were kind of I also feel like things have kind of just been crazy since the pandemic with everyone kind of sheltering in place and being so scared to go out in public and get exposed to germs it really messed with people's immune systems because we're supposed to be exposed to germs continually continuously so that we can continue to build natural immunity i'm no expert in immunity or you know the science of all of it but i am an expert in holistic health and longevity so i wanted to just kind of share my two cents on the subject again not a doctor, not a medical professional. I'm a certified holistic health and nutrition coach, just really with a passion for helping people live a healthier life through non-toxic and holistic lifestyle changes. So with that, basically everyone has gone through a respiratory illness, whether it's the flu, RSV. This season, it has been nuts. The stuff that's been going around, it seems like it's lingering a bit longer. There are people with coughs that are lasting eight weeks or more. I myself have had my fair share of respiratory infections this season, which is just wild to me. So let's kind of jump right into the episode so that you all can learn a bit more about healing from and preventing respiratory infections holistically. Alrighty, so like I said, I have had my fair share of respiratory infections throughout my life. This year in particular, I feel like my immune system, this season rather in particular, I feel that my immune system has been kind of fatigued. It's not been firing as well as it has been in the past several years. I'm really grateful for a strong immune system. But as you know, I have been under a great deal of stress lately. I shared in my previous episode about my mental health battle that I am kind of through at this point. But in that episode, which I'll link in the show notes, one of the theories I had behind me and my mental health struggles was this heightened level of stress and depletion. And so it was no wonder that I had anxiety and depression kind of flare up. And in tangent with that, my immune system kind of flared a little bit as well, making me more susceptible to catching colds and flus and viruses of all sorts. So 
being super transparent here, again, as a holistic health educator, someone who is passionate about wellness, I feel that I have to kind of keep this image of me being so healthy and having it all together. And while in a lot of ways I do, because of the struggles I've gone through, they have provided a lot of silver linings in which I have been able to learn a lot and grow my knowledge base on these subjects. I too am human and sometimes I get sick and sometimes I have anxiety and I hope that you all find value in this episode, find value in me being very vulnerable. And yeah, I got sick with two different respiratory infections this season and they were not fun. I do think it was this variation of influenza A and it was awful guys. It was so awful. Thankfully, I have a great I guess like baseline health. So I think I was able to handle it a bit better than more like unhealthy individuals. But that being said, when you get used to feeling so good, it's even when you feel a little bit off, it's like, oh my God, this is terrible. Even though it probably like pales in comparison to some of the people that like are really out of shape, really unhealthy, have really poor diets. So yeah, anyways, I got sick twice this season and I had to go to my herbal pharmacy, so to speak, in my kitchen and kind of come up with some different remedies so that I could heal quickly and boost my immune system and also keep my husband healthy and those around me. So I did a lot of different things, tried a lot of different things. I've been sharing all the tips with my friends and family members who have gotten some bugs this season and I'm really proud of what I have learned and what I have found that works for helping with respiratory infections. So we're going to dive into some herbs. I'm going to dive into some lifestyle changes, some immune boosting tips, And then I'm also going to chat a little bit about the tuberculosis sanitarium experiments and babies sleeping outside in Scandinavia. And then at the very end of this episode, I have a bonus thing I'm going to share about my time doing an Instagram detox. So stick around. This episode is about to be super juicy. So let's get into it. Let's talk about some herbs that help with respiratory health. One of my absolute favorite herbs for respiratory health is mullion. And mullion is really cool because it is a natural alternative to things like mucinex or the drug within that that is called guaifesin. So guaifesin is an expectorant. It is a type of drug that breaks up mucus and expels mucus from the lungs. What's really fascinating is that mullion is a natural expectorant and it likely is the herb that these pharmaceutical companies started creating mucus busting drugs from. Like the inspiration for these drugs likely came from mullion, which is a very effective expectorant. 
where it breaks up the mucus and expels it from the lungs. And it's very gentle. I like taking it in a, a tincture form as well as a tea form. I have this tea on hand all times of year because it's just one of those herbs that I find really soothing on the airways. And as you know, I've gone through mold illness. And one of my big symptoms with mold illness was respiratory symptoms. And so if I feel a mold flare going on or if I'm traveling, I always bring mullion tea with me because I know that when I drink this tea, it's going to help soothe my airways, it's going to break up mucus, and it's going to essentially just help me breathe better. So I really love mullion. Something else that is really cool about mullion is that it contains saponins, which helps release the phlegm. So that is the expectorant part of it. It's from the saponins. So mullion is one that I love. Another herb that I love for respiratory health is reishi. I am probably the biggest fan of reishi. Reishi has been in my, it's really, really valued in the traditional Chinese medicine space. And as you maybe know, traditional Chinese medicine was a big part of my story and how I got into holistic health. If you want to hear more about my story, listen to episode 12 of Lifelong. I'll link that in the show notes. But reishi is so wonderful. It's a medicinal mushroom. It's the longevity mushroom. It strengthens the respiratory function and structure. It also aids in improving oxygen utilization, which helps people who are prone to asthma, bronchitis, pneumonia, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, and similar conditions. So reishi is a great one I would consider keeping in your medicine cabinet. I take it in a tincture form. I really like the brand Host Defense. I know there are a number of other good brands out there. Just make sure the brand that you are using utilizes third-party testing and tests for toxins and other things like that. So reishi is a great one there. Thyme is another herb that I keep on hand at all times. Not only do I love cooking with thyme because I love the flavor, I love the Mediterranean flair it gives dishes. Thyme is also an incredibly medicinal herb. Thyme is a Mediterranean herb with a long history of being a medicinal healer and protector For example, even back in the Roman era, it was consumed to prevent and treat poisoning. Thyme is an antioxidant, it's an anti-inflammatory, it's anti-cancer, it's antimicrobial, and it's antispasmodic. Thyme can help kill a variety of germs and prevent infections as well as scavenging free radicals that contribute to the aging process. So not only is thyme really great for your immune system, your respiratory health, and preventing cancer, but also it's really great for anti-aging. It's going to be good for your beauty regimen, which I just love. I love using food as medicine. How do I consume thyme? Well, I put it in a lot of the things that I cook, but also I like to do a tea where I will just buy the, the fresh thyme from the grocery store, organic thyme. It would be even more wonderful if I could grow my own thyme. I don't have a garden yet, but perhaps I could get a little indoor garden situation going where I grow some organic thyme. But then I take the a few sprigs of thyme and I will wash it. And from there, I will put it in a mug and cover it with some hot water so that I have my own quick thyme tea. You can also buy thyme tea in the packets, like some organic tea packets. 
but I really just prefer to buy it from the store because it is so easy, affordable, and it just seems super, super fresh this way. Also, I'm not the biggest fan of tea bags, but that's a conversation for another day. So time is such a wonderful option as well. Next, we have Propolis. Maybe some of you have heard of Propolis with the big brand called Beekeepers Naturals. So I was first introduced to Propolis through this brand, Beekeepers Naturals. They make a throat spray, which is really great for your immune system. Also, if you have a tickle in the throat, it's really healing. And I was really fascinated by the story of the founder, Carly, from Beekeepers Naturals. And her story was something along the lines of she was studying abroad in Italy. She was sick all the time and she was so tired of being sick. She also, I think, had a compromised immune system where she couldn't take a lot of medication. So she decided to go into a over in Italy and explained, like pointing to her throat that it hurt. And then kind of this like broken Italian English, this woman handed her propolis and she started taking propolis and she finally was able to heal from this infection that wouldn't go away and she couldn't take medication for. So she was so blown away by how powerful propolis was that she ended up leaving her finance job and starting propolis company now known as Beekeepers Natural. So totally paraphrasing that story. I might have botched it a little bit, but her story really just inspired me. And I loved the kind of European connection, that traditional healing perspective. And I started digging into propolis. Not only did I start taking propolis when I felt a throat itch or if, if I was traveling to kind of prevent illness, but I realized that propolis is truly the medicine of the beehive. So where honey is the food of the beehive, propolis is the medicine of the beehive. There are tons of studies out there. I do want to allude to one study. This study is titled The Potential Use of Propolis as a Primary or an Adjunctive Therapy in Respiratory Tract-Related Diseases and Disorders, a Systematic Scoping Review. So through this review, they're aiming to analyze the experimental evidence on propolis's potential use in treating respiratory tract infections. The conclusion highlights that propolis is a promising therapeutic substance suitable for both primary and adjunctive therapy and respiratory tract-related conditions. So this analysis essentially looked at tons of different studies and they reviewed to find out, okay, is this generally speaking through the research, how effective is propolis? And the results were astounding. Not only that, they also noted that there were no side effects, really. The only side effect that they did see rarely was allergic reactions, and that could have to do with like bees and people being allergic to bees. If you have allergies, definitely proceed with caution talk to your allergist, your doctor to figure that out because that could be a concern. But that was the only potential side effect, which is wild because propolis has so many medicinal benefits and it barely had any side effects, whereas so many medications in our world, they might have some benefits, but they have so many side effects. Something really cool too is that one of the earliest records of the use of beehive products by humans was dated to 
13,000 BC. Propolis, one of the beehive products, has been shown to have antimicrobial, antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, and anti-proliferative properties. It has been used throughout history to treat ailments in communities such as ancient Egyptians, Romans, Greeks, through ancient China, across South and Central America, where beekeeping has been an integral part of daily life. Propolis, wow, you're incredible. I love taking it. Another cool thing people like to do with propolis is putting it in a diffuser, and this is something good to do if you're living in a moldy environment. Another compound that I love for respiratory health is quercetin. I hope by now you've heard of quercetin. It really took center stage in the alternative health community during the pandemic. So quercetin is a flavonoid. It is found in orange peels and citrus fruits. It's also found in onion, apple, green tea, etc. It is antiviral and antihistamine, which is really, really cool because a lot of people are using quercetin as an alternative to antihistamine drugs. I find that very fascinating. Sometimes if I feel a little bit like itchy or I feel a little allergic to something, I like to consume foods with quercetin. The easiest way for me to up my quercetin just personally is making orange peel tea or eating a heck of a lot of onions. With orange peel tea, it's as simple as taking an orange, washing it, and peeling a few little pieces and putting it in some hot water and drinking it. It's also so delicious. But the really fascinating thing about quercetin is that it's an ionophore. It's an ionophore for zinc. This means that it helps get the zinc into the cell. So when the quercetin and the zinc are paired together, it becomes this dynamic duo of immunity and respiratory health. So it's great to pair quercetin with a high-quality zinc. Quercetin also removes mucus from the lungs. It relieves coughs and congestion. It is one of those things that I just absolutely love. I remember organic Olivia posted something and she made this tea with all these different high quercetin foods and she gave it to her dad and to herself and they were able to clear the lungs, breathe deeper and feel really good and that's where I really got introduced to quercetin and it's super wonderful. I would share the recipe with family members and friends if they got, if they caught that virus as well, and they really enjoyed it. So quercetin is definitely something that you want to be knowledgeable of if you are dealing with a respiratory condition. Speaking of organic Olivia, following her kind of famous quercetin tea, she ended up developing a product a little bit down the road called Microbiome Guard. And not only was this product really good for the microbiome, especially the oral microbiome, but also it was fantastic for respiratory health. So this is something that I keep on hand if I'm experiencing a mold flare or if I feel some respiratory sensitivities. I like to take this tincture. It's just a little liquid that you drop in some water, you drink it, and you feel super good after. So quercetin is fantastic. The last herb that I want to highlight for respiratory health is called star anise. This is a popular spice in traditional Chinese medicine that helps loosen mucus, helping coughs, bronchitis, and lung ailments. 
It also includes shikimic acid, which is the compound used in the flu drug Tamiflu. Here we have it again, a drug being produced to synthesize something found in nature. Star anise products should not be given to infants or children. And then also you have to be super careful to not confuse star anise with Japanese star anise, which is toxic to the nervous and digestive system. So proceed with extra caution around star anise. Also, when it comes to herbs, you're going to want to be mindful of contraindications to make sure that you are super careful. In my experience, I have found herbs to be rather gentle, but know that some herbs are more potent than others and you really should be studying up on contraindications, especially if you're on medication or have a a disease or an ailment that might be contraindicated. So with that, do your own research. Also talk to medical professionals. I want to set you up for success here, just sharing some herbs that are super helpful for respiratory health. I now want to chat about some ways to improve your respiratory health through lifestyle changes. One of the easiest ways to improve your respiratory health is to really evaluate your environment. So this is going to entail looking at what is in your home. What are you breathing in? What are you interacting with on a daily basis? Are you being exposed to toxic cleaning products or personal care products that are potentially wreaking havoc on your immune system and your endocrine system? Do you have VOCs that are building up in your home that are irritating your airways? Embracing a non-toxic lifestyle is going to be one of your best bets there. And the other super easy, simple thing, low-cost thing to do is to dust and vacuum often because remember, VOCs, volatile organic compounds, toxins, they settle in dust. So dusting and vacuuming often will overall improve your health and your respiratory health especially. So that's a really low-cost way to improve respiratory health. Another thing I am always telling my husband to do and being mindful with myself is to cover your chest and mouth when it's cold and windy outside. Also cover your the back of your neck. There are meridians in Chinese medicine, and I remember learning from my traditional Chinese medical doctor to always have your kidneys covered, your neck covered, and your ankles covered, especially during the winter, to keep those meridians, the qi, flowing properly. Also, when it's cold and windy outside, you don't want to be breathing in that harsh air, that cold, harsh, dry air. It's going to be very irritating from a physiological perspective. So cover that up, layer up, wear higher neckline shirts, wear scarves, zip your coat up all the way. Sometimes I even put my hand over over my chest just to kind of add some some warmth. And I am speaking as someone who lives in the Midwest. We just went through an Arctic blast last week where it was in the negatives. And I had to be extra mindful of this, but even if you're in a warmer climate, 
during the winter months, just try to keep that neck and mouth covered during windy and cold days. Another big thing to be mindful of when preventing a respiratory infection or really any cold or virus in general is to not touch your eyes, nose, and mouth. Touching your eyes, nose, and mouth with unwashed hands increases the risk of getting sick due to the thin and sensitive membranes in these areas. These mucous membranes provide a direct entry point for viruses and bacteria, and then the germs can be transmitted from contaminated surfaces to the face, making it a common route for respiratory infections. So it's going to be really critical to practice good hand, hand hygiene and also just being mindful of not touching your face, especially if you're out in a public busy area. And this is not to be fearful of, you know, hugging people or shaking someone's hand or being fearful. It's really not that. But if you're, you have something big coming up, maybe you're working out a lot, you're in a gym a lot, maybe it's not the best place to be kind of wiping your nose or wiping your eyes when you have all sorts of different bacteria and viruses on your hands. So it's just about being mindful. It's a helpful tip that I wanted to share with you. Some other lifestyle things that I do, utilizing onions and garlic. So I talked about onions a bit with the quercetin segment, but onions and garlic are some of my favorite things when cold and flu season. And it's because these are really strong, natural antibiotics and antifungals, antibacterials. Garlic is one of my favorite, favorite compounds when it comes to boosting the immune system. I like to chop up garlic and onions. I've never done garlic and onions at the same time, but I'll put some onions in my sock or I'll put some garlic in my socks chopped up. And this is going to help it get into your your bloodstream. You'll actually start tasting it. And it's going to boost your immune system. It's going to draw out toxins, which is really, really cool. Something else that you can do with onions because they are such a purifier is to put them on a plate in busy areas or next to your bed to help draw those toxins out of the air. Little hack too with onions, if you have something kind of stinky in your home and you need to clear the air, let's say someone was vacationing in your guest room and they used a lot of like cologne and you're having trouble getting that cologne smell out, you can literally put a plate of chopped onions out and it will help purify and clean the air. Seriously, you got to try it. I don't have the science to back it up. I know that there is though. I just didn't spend the time digging into it. I honestly, I love an anecdote and I also really appreciate folk medicine. So looking to food as medicine is something I I really just love to do. Onions and garlic are some of my favorite things. Another thing people like to do is to make some chest compresses out of a mixture of onion and garlic. I don't know the recipe there, but you basically combine all these different ingredients. You put it on some cheesecloth or some gauze, and then you literally put it over the chest and it will help draw the toxins out to help you heal from a respiratory infection quicker. The other thing I like to do with garlic is I like to make a fermented garlic honey. So I'll take some honey 
I'll add in some raw garlic. I'll just press it right into there. I'll mix it up and I'll let that sit in my fridge for a good week, a few days, and just kind of eat that every single day. Some people go all out and they really know how to ferment longer and do all these different things. I have not mastered the art of fermenting, although I have been on my sourdough sourdough kick and I haven't killed the starter yet, so that's a good start. But I'm not really fermenting it in the most appropriate way. Essentially, I'm just trying to get garlic and honey into my body. And the longer the garlic sits in the honey, the more it will ferment, the more medicinal properties it has. I just haven't mastered it yet. If you have, let me know. I'm curious to hear about your process. Maybe you have a recipe. You could always email me that recipe, Heidi at holisticwithheidi.com, and I'll be sure, sure to share it and give you a little shout out. So those are some lifestyle tips. I also want to talk about some immune boosting tips. I now want to share something fascinating about tuberculosis. So kind of a weird story, but my mom used to work in this building that used to be the tuberculosis sanitarium in the Milwaukee area. And I had never heard of a tuberculosis sanitarium. I was so fascinated. I loved going into this building that my mom worked in because there was so much history and I was so curious about what the heck went on. It also happened to be one of the most quote-unquote haunted buildings in the town that I grew up. And basically, I just started learning more about tuberculosis. There were these big rooms in there where, I don't know what you would call it, but it basically, I know there's a, a, a name for this kind of room in in architecture, but it's a room where there is sunlight and windows all around the walls and then on the ceiling. So these patients could get vitamin D through the sunlight. And then these windows were like able to open up so that they could get fresh air and that sunlight could come in through all these different windows. And then I I also found out that they would wheel patients out. Part of their protocol for the tuberculosis healing was to roll the patients out into these open areas to get sunlight and fresh air every single day. They also would set up tuberculosis sanitariums near natural areas, and at the time there was a lot of uh, nature around this, so the patients were fully immersed into nature. And what's wild to me is that this wasn't too, too long ago that we had medical professionals relying on nature to help heal people. And of course, there have run so many medical advancements that I am such a fan of and believe in. I just think we need to kind of marry both of these worlds. So for example, if there's a patient in for a disease and they're being treated with uh, life-saving medications and surgeries, can we also find a way to like improve the lighting and get them some fresh air and sunlight and vitamin D and healthy, organic, nurturing foods versus processed junk from big food. That's a conversation for another day. So anyways, in learning about tuberculosis, I was blown away by how quite literally the treatments involved sunlight and fresh air, which are believed to have a positive impact on the tuberculosis patients for several different factors. So sunlight and vitamin D, number one, fresh air accompanied 
exposure to sunlight, which is a natural source of vitamin D. Vitamin D is known to boost the immune system and have positive effects on overall health, which was particularly significant because tuberculosis is an infectious disease and a stronger immune system could aid the body's ability to fight the infection. Also, aeration and ventilation. Fresh air, especially in open spaces, provides better aeration and ventilation. This is crucial in preventing the spread of airborne diseases like tuberculosis. Airborne improved airflow helps disperse bacteria and reduce the concentration of infectious particles in confined spaces. Reduce transmission in open spaces. Tuberculosis is spread through the air when an infected person coughs or sneezes. In open and well-ventilated areas, the chances of transmission are lower compared to crowded and poorly ventilated spaces. Therefore, fresh air was considered an important preventative measure. Sanatorium treatment. In the past, sanitariums were established for tuberculosis patients, often located in areas, like I said, in areas with clean fresh air and natural surroundings. Patients would spend time outdoors breathing fresh air, engaging in activities that were thought to pr- promote physical and mental well-being. I love this. I think this approach was so brilliant. And leaning into nature for healing is something that I will always be a supporter of. So I just wanted to share that little story about how important fresh air, vitamin D, and sunlight can be when it comes to respiratory illnesses, in the most extreme case, tuberculosis. But even in mild cases, if you're sick, open your windows, sit on your balcony, bundle up and put some coats on, but get some fresh air and sunlight on your face. Even if you're sick, get outside every single day, no matter what, even if it's your husband or boyfriend literally like carrying you out there. So love that for respiratory health. The fact that in Scandinavia, it is quite normal for babies to sleep outside, even during the cold winter days, which are aplenty in Scandinavia. So I remember learning about this through one of my Norwegian friends, and it's like such a normal thing to just leave your baby outside. Even when you're like in Denmark, you're popping over to a cafe, you'll see all of these baby strollers just parked outside while the moms are inside enjoying a coffee with a friend. Definitely a different world over there, different things going on over there, different, yeah, just different culture in general. But I found it so fascinating that these babies were sleeping outside. And it was when I was reading, I was reading two different books. I can't remember which one. I think it was Jaws, where they are talking about the importance of nasal breathing. And this is part of the theory for babies sleeping outside is to teach them to breathe through their nose which has a plethora of health benefits, which I should do an episode about nasal breathing because that's really its own thing. But anyways, it supports the fact that getting outside is really beneficial. I also noticed that this is kind of contradictory to what I said earlier about cold air and breathing it in. The biggest thing is you don't want that going into your mouth. So keeping your mouth shut is beneficial. But if you're breathing through your nose, it's actually beneficial. And then all of these babies are super bundled up and cozy. And they have baby monitors too. So some fun little stories to share. I always love learning from different cultures and just from history. And yeah, that will conclude the respiratory segment of today's episode. Now to share a little bit about my Instagram detox. 
Every year around the holidays, I like to do a lot of reflecting. I like to do a lot of just in real life experiences, spending time with family. I have more time with my husband this time of year and I go inward. And something that kind of prevents me from being present and going inward is social media, in particular, this little app called Instagram. So around the holidays, I'll like to do a little bit of a a detox, whether it is three days, a week, or a month. And today actually... Well, I'm recording this on Tuesday, the 23rd. The 23rd concludes my month-long hiatus, my fast, my detox from Instagram. And it has been super eye-opening. A lot of things have occurred for me. I guess I should have spent a little bit more time trying to like think about how I could articulate this. But one of the biggest things I noticed was how much Instagram has become a numbing agent for me and for many people. It's kind of like a pacifier for if you're kind of stressed or you're feeling anxious or if you feel awkward. For example, if you're out to dinner and someone goes to the bathroom, what do you do? You pull out your phone. You maybe open up Instagram. It's kind of like this pacifier that is super numbing and super destructive. So it really had me look inward and realize that I had a lot of things that I needed to address. And I needed to face some of these anxieties and traumas head on because when I didn't have my phone, Instagram to just like pacify myself and just pass the time away and get distracted, I had to sit there. I had to be there with these thoughts. And while that was super hard and it's still super hard, it has been so rewarding and life-giving really. So that's the biggest takeaway is how much Instagram is a pacifier. The second biggest takeaway is my hobbies and realizing how many hobbies and gifts I have and haven't nurtured. So we have been playing a ton more board games. I have been engaging in artwork. I have been writing poetry, which sounds kind of silly. I have been embroidering. I've just been engaging in all of these really artistic things that are such a big part of me and my upbringing and my, my gifts and talents that I can bring to this world. And I feel that by always being consumed by Instagram, I have taken away from my hobbies and my gifts. And that is really terrifying to me. I never, never want to regret missing out on living these real, in real life experiences because of some stupid phone and some stupid app that's all freaking fake. The final thing I will note about it is the connectivity part of Instagram. I realize that I stay in touch with so many people through Instagram And it's been a little bit of a bummer to be like MIA. But at the same time, like I'm still on my phone. I can still text. I can still hang out. It's just been a little bit interesting for some of those people who we only communicate on Instagram. I just feel like I've been kind of like MIA. But I don't really owe it to anyone to be like showing up on there every single day other than my clients and my lifelong podcast. But Thankfully, I've been able to run my businesses thanks to my employees and thanks to uh, wonderful scheduling platforms. So 
Yeah, it's been really interesting. I need to get back on Instagram. I have some partnerships coming up that I'm really excited about, but I'm working on finding a way to find that balance because it's not easy for me. It's easier for me to be all or nothing, which isn't great. Black and white thinking is not healthy, but it I think it's easier to just say, okay, I'm not going to be on it for a month versus, oh, I'm not going to be on it for the weekend because then it's like there's more temptation to get on it. You know what I mean? So kind of weird, very fun experiment. If you're curious about doing it, I definitely encourage you to do so just for the revelations that might come about and the freedom that you might experience. I wish that social media could all disappear sometimes and that we could just live like the olden days. But I realize that's that's not where we're going um, with robots and AI and, and all the things on the horizon. So looking to find a balance. If you know the secret, send me a DM, email me, Heidi at holisticwithheidi.com. Appreciate you all. Thank you so much for being here. I look forward to seeing you all next week. And if you can share this episode, would really appreciate it. We are getting closer to some big growth for the show. So anything you can do to share this episode would be so appreciated. Thank you. One more thing before you go. Are you subscribed to Lifelong Podcast? Have you left a rating and review? Are you following along on Instagram at lifelong underscore pod? and at Holistic with Heidi. If you're not doing so already, consider doing it to support our show and to help spread this message near and far. Thank you all, and we'll see you next week.